Good afternoon, everybody. Climate change is an issue that is affecting all of us, but is the way that we communicate it too complex? We're going to find out today in this episode of the Social Impact Journal, the podcast where I talk to the change makers, experts and founders driving positive change in our world. My name is Jack Farron and I'm your host, and I'll be speaking with Jenny Wilson today, the Climate Change Communication and Advocacy Manager for the World Food Programme and the Chair of the Global Board for Restless Development. Jenny, how are you? Welcome to the show. Hey Jack, thanks for having me. I'm very excited. No, me too, me too. I think this is a topic that we, we probably should have touched on a lot earlier in the podcast. Um, as I said, cl- climate change is affecting affecting all of us. But when you talk to people maybe outside of the global development sector, it feels like the communications, the way the messaging is is, is displayed might be too complex for people to really take individual action. Would you agree? Yeah, absolutely. Um, And I think people are starting to talk about climate change more and more, but it is such a huge topic. It's so overwhelming. I mean, Mm. I get overwhelmed by it. I feel incredibly anxious a lot of the time because climate change, the climate crisis, and how it's affecting us now, but it's going to affect us even more in the future. Like, it's terrifying. Um, And so I think, you know, that negativity that surrounds the narrative, it switches people off. You know, they're like, Mm. this is such a huge topic. Where do I even start? Um, So, yeah, it's, we we definitely need to break it down. We need to, we need to switch from this doom and gloom narrative into, into positive stories of of hope, showing people how they can create change, the better world that we can imagine if we tackle climate change. So before we maybe dive really deep into this topic, you work with uh, the World Food Programme right now and also with Restless Development, but I know you've, you've been and travelled across the whole world, so it'd be great to hear a bit more about your, your career story. Yeah, sure. So I studied geography at university, partly because I didn't really know what else to do. I was 18 (laughs) and I was like, I don't know. Um, But I loved it. I thought it was, I really loved, um, I did human geography. So really thinking about people and the geography of where they live and Mm. why they're there. Um, A lot of migration, geopolitics, that link between the earth and and people was was really interesting. Um, And then kind of by chance, I got involved in a development volunteering program um, and yeah, absolutely loved it and realized that 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 humanitarian development work was was what I wanted to do so um worked and lived in Nicaragua Uganda um worked in northern France on the 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 refugee crisis a few years ago and yeah I've now been with the world food program for nearly five years and the last couple of years working on on climate change issues um and yeah now I'm the communications and, and advocacy manager um which is very exciting um the world food program is the the largest humanitarian organization feeding people all over the world um and so that link between between food and hunger and climate is mm. is really really clear and more and more people are being pushed into hunger all over the world so helping people to understand how climate change impacts yep. um, impacts uh, food security is 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 what I do, but also showcasing the positive solutions, right. showing that there is you know there is there is positive change that that we yeah. can make. Um, and yeah, I'm also on the global board of, of Restless Development, which is a a youth led agency um, that focuses on youth power, youth leadership, um, and giving people young people supporting them to have the skills to 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 lead change in their communities. Awesome. Awesome. Um, let's start with some quick fire questions and maybe some definitions of some of the, the key terms in the, in the climate 
action space. Climate change. I think everyone in the whole world has, has heard this word before, but many might not really understand how, you know, what it actually means. So for you, what would be a simple definition for, for climate change? Yeah, so I think crucial here is that, I mean, the climate has always changed, um, but in recent years, this the climate is changing because of humans. Basically, mm. since the Industrial Revolution, when we started burning fossil fuels um, for manufacturing, for, for transport, for, um, for energy, basically, um, we release um, greenhouse gases into the atmosphere. And I'm not a scientist, I won't get into the science of it, but basically that is heating up the the earth and we hear a lot of people talking about 1.5 degrees two degrees um but crucially this heating up of the earth is creating um is causing more extreme weather events so we see more droughts more heat waves um and and that is that is what we 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 talk about with climate change next one carbon carbon emissions carbon markets carbon credits we hear all of those terms Mm. but what do they actually mean yeah, so carbon dioxide is is one of the greenhouse gases which is emitted when we burn fossil fuels, mm. um, and so this is this is one of the gases that goes into the atmosphere and that is um, is basically trapping heat in the atmosphere and causing the earth to to heat up. Um, but I think really crucial here is that carbon emissions. Um, um, and, and, and carbon footprints, everybody has a carbon footprint. Um, you or I have them, um, an organisation has them, a country has them, and that basically means the amount of carbon emissions um, that we emit into the atmosphere from our activities. Um, but we have much higher carbon footprints than people in um, on the African continent, for example. So Africa produces around, I think, less than 4% of global emissions. Yeah yet they experience the, some of the worst impacts of climate change. So it's a real issue of climate climate injustice, basically. Um, and that's a lot of the, the conversation at the moment um, and understanding, you know, don't want to get into the debate of who's responsible and who should pay for these things and, and all of that. But it's a, yeah. it's a real big debate at the moment that I think people will, will yeah. hear people talking about. What about net zero? Yeah, so net zero basically means that the amount of emissions that we put into the atmosphere is balanced by the amount of emissions that we take out of the atmosphere. So things like carbon capture and storage um, or planting trees, for example, which absorb carbon dioxide. And I think people will hear a lot of um, net zero uh, targets at the moment. So a lot of countries and organisations have put uh, put a timeline on when they're going to reach net zero. Mm. Um, and a lot of those targets are as far away as 2050, which okay. arguably is too late. Um, you know, we're already seeing the impacts of climate change all over the world. Yeah. Um, emissions are emissions haven't gone down they're still increasing and um, so if we wait until 2050 um or even longer for for some for some people it's uh it's we need we need faster action yeah. so you said africa produces only four percent of of global emissions but they are some of the worst hit with with extreme weather events and and natural disasters that, that's a, an unbelievable yeah. statistic really yeah no it's really it's really scary. And there's another one um, that came out a few years ago. I think it was an Oxfam report that said the richest 1% produce double the emissions than the, the poorest half of humanity, basically. No way. Um, which is absolutely terrifying. That's um, 1% of the individuals, but all the maybe the corporations that they... Yeah, I think, I think it's individuals. Well. Um, wow. Yeah, no, it's... So uh, 1% of the world is is like... 70 million maybe and yeah. then versus three and a half billion yeah yeah no it's absolutely That's insane 
Um, and yeah, the impacts that we're seeing across the world, I mean, I think over 40% of the world live in places that are vulnerable to climate change. Um, and the impacts in many of those countries are, are so extreme. I mean, mm. in Somalia, for example, they or in the the Horn of Africa, that that region, they've just come out of um, several consecutive years of failed rainy seasons mm. and extreme drought. Um, and then when the rains finally came, they caused flooding and extreme flash flooding. Um, and so, you know, it's kind of like a, a cruel... You can't win either way, you know. Yeah, yeah. no, it's in, insane. But then I think and one of the reasons that I I suppose I'm, I'm hopeful is that the world is starting to wake up to this because climate change is now impacting lots of other countries, you know, um, lots of parts of, of Europe and, and North America um, who, you know, are some of the worst emitters and the, um, they're... They're, they're experiencing the impacts as well. You know, yep. we've, seen, we've seen heat waves, we've seen wildfires, mm. um, and people are starting to realise that actually they're not safe from climate change. Yeah, because yeah. no, I think we were talking about this off-air that we're both from the UK, and the weather in the UK, it never gets too hot, it never really gets too cold. But in the last few years, we've seen, you know, we've seen some real real heat waves. Yeah, um, and I find I don't know about you, but when I'm when I'm chatting to friends in the UK and and it gets really hot and they're really excited by that. They're like, oh yeah, we can go to the beach. This is amazing. We never have this in the UK. Um, but I am starting to notice now that people are linking that to climate change. And, right, okay. and you know, and I'm always the one, and my friends are always they're like, oh, it's all you talk about, you know. Mm. Um, but actually, people are starting to realise, okay, it's perhaps not a good thing if we're re yeah. reaching temperatures in the 30s in the UK um, and often not in the traditional summer months as yeah. well. Yeah. We're seeing these seasons shift as well. Um, and this is what we need. We need more of these conversations to happen in everyday life. Mm. Mm. Um, we need people to 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 link it to to things that affect them. You know, climate change affects everything from from health to to food security um to to sports activities you know yeah. um i think we saw last winter that a lot of the ski resorts that there's not enough snow yeah. for for people to go skiing so as climate change starts to impact the everyday lives of people yeah. people start to wake up and think oh actually this is important right. and maybe i should care about it because i guess if you said europe is, is one of the the worst emitters but Maybe the climate crisis, you know, before was too far away mm. from them if, if, if there's extreme weather events happening in other parts of the world. And I think really what I wanted to ask today was about how we can, how climate communications can be delivered in a way that, that each different group can understand that climate change matters to them mm. and it's a pressing challenge for them. And I think if that's starting to happen in Europe with changing weather patterns, then, I, you know, if, if people are really starting to, to feel that, and, and start that conversation. Mm. Is that the most important thing that for people to take action? Is it is it individual efforts or is it actually starting the conversations with with friends, family, colleagues? Yeah, I think, I mean, I mentioned before, you know, that there's shifting the narrative from the negative to the positive. Mm. And I think it's people feel more compelled to take action if they can see a positive outcome from what they're doing. Yep. So if we can present these solutions to people and show people the positive change that they can have. Um, but also I think it's really important to talk about it, as you say, at the local level. So it's really hard to sympathize with somebody in Somalia, for example. For, for most people, that seems so far away. They don't know that person. They don't have any connection with them. But if you talk about the climate crisis 
in somebody's local community and crucially in the present tense, mm. you know, rather than, oh, in 2050, this is going to happen again. Yeah. It's, it's so abstract for people to understand. And so I find that talking, um, talking to people about their local community, about their family, about not just the impact that the climate crisis is having or, or will continue to have, but the better world that we can have if we tackle climate right. change. Right. So I think, you know, net zero gets thrown around a lot. And again, that's hard for people to understand. But if you talk about clean air, if you say to somebody, okay, mm -hmm. but if we reduce emissions, your child or you will be breathing in cleaner air. Um, that will have huge health benefits. Um, if we plant more trees, for example, yeah. you know, you have that greener community. And mm, it, mm. I think relating it to things like that is yeah. is really, really important. So it's about localizing and keeping it in the in the present tense. Have you seen any any case studies or examples of of organizations or, you know, individuals that have been able to use this this technique? Yeah, I think more and more organizations are getting so good at, at climate communications and at, at communicating with people outside of the norm. I yeah. think um, we're here at COP28 right now in Dubai, and I think some people get a bit trapped in that bubble. Mm, and, you know, mm. we're preaching to the choir a little bit at times and talking to people who already um, already agree and already yeah, know about yeah. these things, but we need to sort of expand outside of that yeah. bubble. Um, and I think you know, once we start to see these conversations happening in the entertainment industry, for example, um, we see influencers, celebrities yeah, yeah. who are taking this seriously and are talking about it. That's when we'll start to see real change. Um, there's this really nice example that I saw a couple of years ago with um, Reading Football Club. Okay. And the footballers had um, these the warming stripes on their kit, which is right, um, yeah. which is showing the, the temperature rise. Um, and it's really powerful. It goes from blue to red and it's a, wow. really, a really powerful image. But the footballers had this on their kit. Mm. And so the commentators started talking about climate change during right, a football right, match. Yeah. And, you know, that's a space that climate conversations haven't really come into yet yeah. um, and once we start seeing that I think that's when the the real change will start to happen and that's it's quite a subtle it's not let's say a, a big loud message mm. but it's it's being worn by people that are not you know with a humanitarian agency not with an NGO so to speak it's you know footballers yeah and it might be a, an audience that as you said uh, possibly not so um you know, educated about about yeah. this about this current crisis. Um, yeah, that's fascinating. Mm -hmm. is, is there any others maybe you've seen from 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 organisations in their in their social media uh, in their social media efforts? Yeah, I think another thing that people do, which is really great, is these positive news stories. So mm -hmm. a lot of people do a kind of roundup at the end of the week of the positive climate news that we've yeah. seen that week. Um, and I've, again, linking back to that that positive narrative, I think that's really really powerful. Um, and another thing is sort of um, explainer content works really well. Again, breaking down these topics yeah. um, in language that people can understand. And I think there's there's so much so much amazing work happening across mm. the the humanitarian world, the climate world, the development world. Um, but often these, you know, it, we stop people accessing those spaces and understanding yeah. it because we use technical language. Um, and you know, as I say, I'm not a scientist. I don't. I try one of my job is to try and break it down into yeah. really simple language um, to get people to understand and to bring them into that space. And I think also, you know, we need you don't have to be a scientist or a mm. geographer or an, even an activist to take action on climate change yeah. and to talk about it. You know, you mentioned talking to your friends and family and a lot of people ask me, OK, what's the 
if I'm going to do one thing to, to, to tackle climate change, what should it be? And of course, there's loads of individual actions. You know, you can, um, you can switch to an electric car, you can use public transport more, um, you know, you can adjust your diet, like there's, you know, fly less. There's all of these individual actions you can do, which are so important, obviously. But I always say the most powerful thing that you can do is to talk to your family, okay. your friends, your yep. peers, um, and start having these conversations and bringing them mm. into different spaces that they're not right. traditionally in. Yeah. So bringing those conversations to everyday life, like like football, yeah. like we just discussed. Yeah. So you mentioned on COP. So COP, you know, COP28 has, has, has just recently happened. And that's a space where high-level delegations from governments, from United Nations agencies, observer organisations attend do you think the general public have a, a good understanding of, of what's going on at these events and the outcomes of, of those conferences? I think they are starting to. I think, um, you know, the COP summits are, they're, they're breaking through into mainstream media. Mm. There is, you know, a lot of a lot of media that is showcasing what's happening at COP. Yeah. Um, and there are, you know, there's some, some big headlines as well. So I think it is starting to. But I think again we have to be aware of operating in a in a bubble as yeah, such. Yeah. Um, I was I was with some friends here in Dubai who were, who were here on holiday and not actually involved in COP. Um, but we were having those conversations. You know, they were aware that COP was happening, okay. and we were start we were talking about it, um, but not at the at the level of you know the the, the detail that mm-hmm. is happening. Um, not to say not to discount that you know the COP summits are a very very important space um and they are the you know the in many ways the the best that we have in in yeah. in tackling in climate change and and some some really important um decisions have been made and there's a lot of momentum moving forward um but a lot a lot more that that yeah. needs to be needs yeah. to be done jenny i completely agree um and i think there's there's so much work that needs to be done on climate communications and i think one of the takeaways from today is that it's localizing that message. It's keeping it in the present tense, and it's being delivered in a, by someone who maybe is not in the traditional, you mm. know, climate action space. And I feel like you know, the the, the example I mentioned again of the, of the football with Reading Football Club seems to have t- seems to tackle all three of all three of those, and it's a visualization as well yeah. on the arm. So you have your your social impact journal here. So if you were to write a page in this book for organisations that are, are set up to tackle the climate crisis, what piece of advice would you give to them in terms of simplifying the language they use and also the, the different delivery methods they have to deliver messages around climate issues that are really relevant to the audience and can, can enact that, that action? Yeah, so I think, I mean, the first one, and I've mentioned it a couple of times already, is this positivity narrative. Mm. I think we really need to break away from this this doom and gloom that is that is talked about with climate change. I mean, you know, a lot of people feel so hopeless, basically. Yeah. They're like, well, what's the point? You know, it's going to happen anyway. And, mm. you know, um, and I think we can, we can no longer say, actually, that, um, oh, well, it's not going to affect me, you know. Um, because actually it is it's affecting yeah. us now um and it is going to you know within our lifetimes it's no longer you know our children our grandchildren um but i don't think you know that's not working that narrative it's not mm. it, it's not helping people are just feeling you know anxious about it um and so i think we need to switch that narrative and be very positive in how we talk about it yeah. 
talk about, you know, how we can envision that better world mm. for us and for our children. Um, and so I think positivity is definitely um, one of the one of the main things that, that people can people can do shift that narrative. Um, and I think also the, the local angle. Bringing it back to 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 what people can understand um, and you know what means something to them. Mm. There's a really nice quote. Um, I think it's from Maya Angelou who says, "People won't remember what you said. They won't remember what you did, but they will remember how you made them feel." And okay. I'm paraphrasing there, but you know, I think that people that feeling is so important. People need to feel something to take action. They're not going to, you know, if you if you tell somebody what to do. Um, they're yeah. not, you know, it's really difficult to make people people do something. But if you can make them feel something, and um, you can make it relevant to them, and they can see the positive outcome that their mm. actions yeah. can have, then I think that's how you really create change. So that's what I would write in my book. Awesome, awesome, Jenny. It's been really great to have you on uh, as a as a climate comms expert to to break down these topics, and I'm sure our audience have have really enjoyed it also. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me, Jack. Thank you for watching this episode with Jenny Wilson. If you enjoyed the episode and want to see more from the Social Impact Journal, please do follow or subscribe. We release episodes every Monday at 9am GMT. Thank you so much.